It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Harris Faulkner. I'm Greg Gutfeld. I'm Janice Dean. And this is the Fox News Rundown. Monday, May 23rd, 2022, I'm Mike Emanuel. A federal judge blocked the Biden administration from lifting Title 42, the pandemic policy used to limit immigration in attempts to slow the spread of COVID-19. Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz says the U.S. must prioritize security before safely terminating Title 42. We cannot fix our immigration issues. We cannot have a more fair immigration system until we secure our border. I'm Dave Anthony. The military keeps trying to explain the unexplained, trying to identify unknown flying objects. Are they alien or an adversary? I would be very surprised if China is not working on new technology and ways to get leverage over us. And I'm Colin Reed. I've got the final word in the Fox News Rundown. Some prominent Republicans are arguing the crisis at the southern border is not only humanitarian, it's also a national security issue. With drug cartels engaged in human trafficking and sending illicit drugs to the U.S., civilian authorities are being left severely overwhelmed. Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick says the flood of migrants is staggering. We're already on pace for two and a half to three million coming in now. If he repeals Title 42, you're talking about as many people coming in in this first term of the Biden administration, more people coming here illegally that we apprehend than live in New York City. With numbers like these, many places are struggling to house the migrants due to lack of space. Former El Paso and Tucson Border Patrol Chief Victor Manharis Jr. has seen this firsthand, having witnessed more than 100 migrants being released on the street after the Border Patrol Processing Center and nonprofit shelters ran out of space. What the, the local uh, city council is saying is it's exceeded our resources. What the Department of Homeland Security has told us now in the last 12 to 15 months is they can't deal with this because it's exceeded routine procedures and resources. And so this fits more of the idea of a, of a of a disaster. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody says the crisis at the border is having an impact on her state, too. Our law enforcement officers are dealing with the effects and the safety implications from this border daily. They're intercepting human smugglers. They're intercepting drug traffickers with heroin that is killing people. We're in a national record-making moment for drugs that are killing Americans. Concerns like these have significantly grown since the Biden administration announced plans to end Title 42, the pandemic-related health order that allows the federal government to expel immigrants in order to stop the spread of COVID. But a federal judge stepped in to block the administration from lifting that policy. Well, I think the Biden administration is probably breathing a sigh of relief. The Department of Homeland Security was expecting an already out of control humanitarian crisis at 8000 people a day to explode to 18000 people a day. So I I frankly think, you know, from their perspective, this buys them time to kind of get their act together. Florida Republican Congressman Michael Waltz is a combat decorated Green Beret. But at the end of the day, there's not, you know, an overarching plan from the administration to control what's going on the border. And I'll just tell you as a father, 
it breaks my heart. I mean, it is just devastating to see international NGOs reporting that 30 to 40 percent of the young girls that come across the border are sold into sex trafficking or into sex slavery or labor uh, slavery. And we, we just have to get this under control. The Biden administration can't just continue to ignore it uh, and turn a blind eye. You have warned that Mexican paramilitary cartels are destabilizing our country, that this is a national security crisis. Would you explain that? Sure. I I believe we have to start applying military assets to go after these cartels. That doesn't mean an invasion of Mexico or thousands of American boots on the ground. But if you look at what we did in Colombia against the narco terrorists there, which, like the Mexican cartels, were heavily armed, heavy machine guns, armored vehicles, assets in the billions of dollars. Many are estimating that the Mexican cartels have 30 to 40,000 soldiers and operatives at its disposal, and the Mexican army has struggled. So like what we did in the 90s and 2000s in assisting the Colombian government with intelligence, drones, different types of supporting assets and even advisors on the ground to provide training, not in direct combat, but training. We began treating this as the national security problem that it is. And we need to do the same in Mexico. And just as a quick analogy, you know, in the 1990s, we treated Osama bin Laden and terrorism as a law enforcement problem. We were actually trying to collect evidence to be able to prosecute Osama bin Laden and al-Qaeda in court and their operatives in court. And after 9-11, obviously, it was no longer a law enforcement problem. It was a military problem and a national security problem. And I think we need to make that switch within our national security apparatus. President Trump apparently suggested it, according to his former defense secretary, Mark Esper, and the national security establishment in Washington was all aghast. But I think President Trump was absolutely right. They are destabilizing our neighbor. They're destabilizing our country. They're killing more Americans than the terrorists did in 9-11 through the fentanyl that they're pumping in. And we need to treat it as a national security threat that it is. I remember when Vice President Kamala Harris actually went to the border. She went to El Paso, which was mocked because there wasn't much happening there compared to the other hotspots on the border with Mexico. Now that's changed. You've got the county judge there and the mayor getting ready to issue emergency declarations as the number of migrant apprehensions continues to climb uh, amid, you know, heading towards the end of Title 42. Uh, your reaction that this wildfire appears to be spreading to other parts of the border? I think it's it's spreading all along the border. And by the way, when Vice President uh, Harris visited, the congresswoman who represents that area greeted her and said, welcome to the new Ellis Island. So the left absolutely believes that we should have an open border, that we should welcome folks in unlimited numbers and that we should provide taxpayer funded assistance to all of these folks. And look, my heart breaks for anyone in that level of poverty that they're willing to make that kind of treacherous journey. At the same time, my heart also breaks when I talk to veterans and people in underserved neighborhoods and schools and people, American citizens that aren't getting the services that they deserve, that they paid for. And we cannot just have a wide open door for the world. But to your point on it spreading along the border, look, I think it's spreading across the country. And, you know, our message is that this isn't just a border problem. This is a national problem. Every state is a border state. The migrants are literally being flown 
across the interior. And I just can't emphasize enough that Chinese made fentanyl in full coordination, according to the DEA, with Mexican drug cartels is an absolute attack on this country. We lost 3,000 people in 9-11. We lost 100,000 people last year to fentanyl and is now the largest and most dangerous killer of uh, young people between 18 and 40. From my experience covering uh, living in Texas for a number of years early on in my career, I found that people in border communities were very warm towards people on the other side of the border. They have good relationships, some some intermarriage, you know, they do business together. Um, sure. But my experience suggests that they just didn't like their communities being overrun, not being able to get into a hospital if you need it, that sort of thing. Is that what you're understanding as well? That's absolutely what I'm hearing, and that's absolutely what I've seen and look, I mean, we are a nation of immigrants. We absolutely <laughs> welcome immigration in this country. I want to just say that absolutely up front, but we cannot fix our immigration issues. We cannot have a more fair immigration system until we secure our border. Otherwise, we're just going to repeat all of the same problems. And what is so disheartening is that this administration is actually incentivized these dangerous journeys. And now we have 120 countries worth of people flowing into our southern border. I mean, Mike, how heartbreaking is it when you see the atrocities people are going on and going through in Ukraine and they actually fly to Mexico to then have to walk across the desert through our border in order to get to the United States? I mean, that is just broke. And we're seeing no move, nothing, zero, zip to fix it. Back to the El Paso uh, example with the county and city preparing to issue an immigration emergency. That sounds to me like the county and city are bracing for spending a whole lot of resources that should really be coming from the federal government. No. Well, that's absolutely right. I mean, and you, and you look at the state of Texas that's deployed at its own cost, not federal cost. It's National Guard. It's federal law enforcement. And an unprecedented move on, on state land where it can do so is building a border wall. Uh, meanwhile, while, <laughs> while you have literally tens of millions of dollars of steel just sitting and rusting uh, that the taxpayer already bought and the Biden administration actually paid, uh, had to pay contract penalties to then not build. It just look, it just doesn't make sense. And this is ideology and politics uh, really gone astray and it's hurting the people that are coming across, but you know, it's also hurting U.S. citizens who need the services that are being diverted. And you know, we're just <laughs> kind of banging our heads against the wall here, Mike, in Congress until we can get the majority back in nine months and actually do something about it. But look, I think this is gonna be, uh, and we're seeing it in polling, one of the key issues that people vote on come this November. The baby formula supply shortage, another red hot story right now, seems to be something that happened out of the blue for a whole lot of American families. But uh, it sounds like this has been a seriously growing problem for nearly three months now. How did the problem get this bad? Yeah, well, I could tell you firsthand it has been a problem for uh, several months. I have a four month old and, and we've been scrounging since he was born. Uh, I have relatives spread across several states and I literally was just sent uh, kind of a care package full of baby formula in a place where they were able to find it. So this has been going on for some time. And you know, my question is, how does the FDA go to a factory that it knows, and Abbott Labs, that it knows produces 40% of the nation's supply, shut them down, and then just walk away? 
and really literally do nothing for months. Uh, we just passed through Congress a bill that would you know, really streamline the efforts to be able to import from European manufacturers and other approved manufacturers to be able to import more formula. But once again, we find the administration just on its back foot and scrambling once it's in crisis mode, whether it's foreign policy, Afghanistan, Ukraine, inflation, gas prices, or, or now this. Again, I just go back to how does the FDA, whether it's uh, baby formula or, or name some other essential item, uh, you know, one of the four or five meat packing plants, you don't just shut down 40% of the nation's supply of anything uh, and then and tell them good luck. I'm going to ask you a question you probably get on the home front. When do you think yep. grocery stores will be fully stocked again with baby formula? Yeah, uh, from from what we're hearing uh, from the supply chain, it is going to be uh, some months. The FDA just reached an agreement uh, with Abbott Labs to correct some of the deficiencies that they found and get up and running. But they're saying it could be uh, six to eight weeks before they're back at full capacity. And then, you know, before you fill the void, it looks like this is going to last through the summer. And I can tell you, man, I've served in countries in Africa, the Middle East, around the world as a Green Beret, where I've seen kids uh, where the parents were diluting formula or they didn't have any. They're just you know trying to substitute water or cow's milk or other things. And it really does lasting harm to children and to their both mental and physical development. And, you know, a, a lot of the parents that I know that that also have newborns alongside ours are really scrambling and panicking. I never thought I'd see it in the United States. Congressman White, Mike Waltz of the great state of Florida. Thank you so much for your time, sir. Have a great week. Okay. Thank you, Mike. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Domenech, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Domenech Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. This is Colin Reed with your Fox News commentary coming up. The truth is out there. That's what a TV show always told me. Now Congress is asking the military to open its X-Files. We have seen an increasing number of unauthorized and or unidentified aircraft or objects in military-controlled training areas uh, and training ranges and other designated airspace. Scott Bray is the deputy director of Naval Intelligence. He testified at a House hearing into UFOs, though at the Pentagon they call them UAPs, Unidentified Aerial Phenomena. They likely fall into one of five potential explanatory categories. Airborne clutter, natural atmospheric phenomena, U.S. government or U.S. industry developmental programs, foreign adversary systems, or a other bin. By other, could it be alien? Bray told lawmakers they have no evidence. That would suggest it's anything non-terrestrial. But Ronald Moultrie... Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Safety would not rule it out completely. We're open to all hypotheses. We're open to any uh, conclusions that, uh, that we may encounter. But in the end, Republican Congressman Mike Gallagher tells Fox. I appreciate the sincere effort to destigmatize the discussion, uh, but I'm afraid we did not get any closer to the truth. It is the first hearing into UFOs in more than 50 years. I mean, I did find it interesting, but, you know, nobody beamed in or out of the hearing. General David Perkins is a Fox News contributor, a retired four-star general who was the 15th commander of the U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command. We didn't have any extraterrestrial activity going on, so 
It no. wasn't exactly, uh, you know, sit no. on the edge of your seat thriller. No, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have, you know, we didn't have footage that looked like a flying saucer. I was hoping a flying saucer, but I didn't I didn't see a flying saucer. We saw the very first thing they showed at the hearing was almost impossible to see some quick video of something that goes by the window of some, uh, I guess, Navy pilot that wasn't gripping from the start. So it was hard to, you know, they showed these triangles. When you saw the first thing, this thing that goes by the Navy plane or whatever, were you impressed? Were you like, wow, that's that's amazing? Yeah, I believe that's uh, those were Navy pilots off of the Nimitz. I believe it was one of the more sort of famous incidences. Uh, I think, you know, have, being a military person, the thing that sort of grabs my interest is, in fact, it's in the name, you know, unidentified aerial phenomena. It's a military person. If you're, you know, around military equipment or sensitive areas and there are things going on that you can't define and or confirm or deny, that becomes the more interesting fact, not whether or not it's an alien, but how much is going on that I am not familiar with because we always want to know our operating environment. Yeah, I mean, I'm still getting used to UAP because, you know, for all these years we've been the UFOs. So this concept of the UAP, these unexplained events, almost all of them, there's a couple hundred of them. They, they can't explain most of them. There was another video that kept showing these triangles and moving around. Did they look like drones to you? What did, what did you make of it? Yeah, I think, you know, both in listening to the hearing and then doing additional research, as you said, uh, I guess we're up to 400 or so. Uh, of these uh, unidentified phenomena, and only a few of them have been able to be confirmed or denied of what they are. A couple were confirmed previous ones, whether they're the ones in that video or not, as uh, um, uh, UIDs, unmanned vehicles, a couple were Mylar balloons, et cetera, like that. So, I mean, it could be that it's very difficult when you see a, a clip taken out of context on the screen because what you don't know is size compared to what. And especially when you're looking at something in the air, there's not something of a known size next to it. So you, so that becomes part of the challenge. I remember a couple of years ago, there was some video that came out that appeared to show something flying in and defying gravity in, in certain ways, like changing directions on a dime, going at a speed that they couldn't really understand. Are you thinking that there is something else behind this, or are you not ready to believe? I know somebody in the, at the hearing, they said they've found no evidence of anything extraterrestrial. Do you think that's possible? Are you open to that possibility? So I have found uh, throughout my time in the military and when different types of intelligence come in, never, never say never about anything because that that is very dangerous to be so sure uh, uh, that something is not so that's almost more dangerous than thinking something is so if you have to say absolutely this cannot happen uh and then you close that out so i'm i'm really open to uh, continuing to find out what are some of these phenomena and it could be a lot of different things and it seems like uh, the intelligence community has opened the aperture to not only taking everything in consideration but looking at the different capabilities we have to pursue this and they talked about working with nasa because again nasa has a lot of deep state uh, space activity going on and, and trying to link all of these phenomena together because of course the military and this was brought out by some of the questioning, 
we tend to be focused and have sensors focused on military type activity around military bases, around military training, you know, the aircraft carriers, et cetera, like that. Whereas other organizations, NASA, you know, they're looking out at black holes and other galaxies and things. Would you be surprised if China, for instance, they have a very big military, obviously getting bigger and more dangerous for us, if they were doing something well, Dave, let's put it this way. I would be very surprised if China is not working on new technology and ways to get leverage over us. Uh, I absolutely would be surprised if they aren't. And so, and I, and I think that's one of the things we have to take into consideration, that if you take a look at peer competitors, China, possibly Russia, but they're not quite the peer that we thought they were, right? No. Um, I mean, <laughs> we They were not nearly as big and bad as we thought they were about three months ago. Yeah, they're big. They're just not that good, as I tell folks. Uh, but they're not as big as they used to be either. And so I think when, when you take a look at our conventional forces, we have many more. I would say they're better trained and more capable than the Chinese. And so what they want to do is figure out an asymmetric way to get at us be pretty bold, though, wouldn't it, for China or anybody in Russia, whoever it could be on Earth, to interfere with U.S. training in all these different places. I mean, that, that that's something that we would, if, it was, if we found out it was China, we would have to respond, wouldn't we? Yeah, and so I think with that in mind, uh, one of the things that they would very much like to have is technology that could cause us a problem that provides them a level of non-attribution that can't be traced back to them, that they could conduct uh, activity around the world, malign activity around the world, and you, you, you can't attribute to anybody. That, that really would give them an asymmetric advantage. And therefore, when you hear about unexplained phenomena that can't be confirmed or denied, in many ways, that's exactly the kind of capability uh, an enemy would love to have. One of the things that was brought up is that there was a stigma for all these years. Nobody wanted to say that they saw something like a UFO or some crazy thing they didn't want to be laughed at. That's changing, right? That culture's changing. Yeah, and I thought that was an important point uh, as well. And I think that's very important. Uh, again, most intelligence products are a fusion of lots of different types of uh, methods. If one piece of that intelligence, and in this case, uh, a lot of it has, has come from pilots, if we, if they are stigmatized that when they see things they can't explain, they don't want to mention it because, you know, it, it, they appear to be ostracized or silly. That That's a very important piece of intelligence. I mean, it may not be what they think it is, and we should train them not to jump to conclusion, but, you know, when you, the proverbial thing that we see everywhere in airports, right? If you see something, say something. You know, in the movies, there's always some story of Area 51, like Independence Day. There was an alien that, that the president found out about. They went found the alien in the tank and talked to him and all that kind of thing. I think a lot of people think that there is something like that that the government is hiding. You have the first hearing in 50 years and nothing at all comes out of that. Do you think that like it, they all like that? No extraterrestrial anything. Do you think that people might be skeptical or do you think that the hearing was a good first step? What do you make of it? 
I, I thought the hearing was done very well. The, the uh, gentleman from the USDI and, and the Naval Intelligence guy obviously were very professional, very well versed. And so I, I thought it was all good. I mean, I, I will tell you, having you know been in the Army for 42 years <laughs> and having the highest level of security clearance, when people come up with these conspiracy theories that, oh, the whole government's doing this and you know it, it's been secret for decades or something, my first response to somebody is like, you've never worked in the government, have you? Uh, we we just we 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 don't, as a matter of fact. And if we wanted to, we can't uh, keep those things secret. So I, I don't think there's, you know, legions of uh, aliens living out in tents in Area 51, and and everyone's just keeping quiet about it. It's interesting that after the public hearing that we saw, they were going to go in closed doors. Uh, and, and you know, when people say that, you can jump to a conclusion, but. But I will tell right, you, because then you think, oh, well, like they found out all the good stuff in the private hearing, right? They, the ET yeah, showed up at the private hearing. Yeah, that's that's where they're going to get the movie script, right? In the closed doors <laughs> hearing piece. Um, but generally, and it was mentioned a couple of times, the reason they do that is because some of the questions the, the members of Congress asked to answer the question, it's not that the answer is this very secret crazy thing going on it's just by answering it you are tipping your enemy off as to your collection capability it's what we call sources and methods and as soon as you say you know something is a or you definitely or you say it's definitely not b your enemy can say you know what there's only one way they know that and therefore they must have this capability so most of the reasons why questions weren't answered or they said we'll do it in closed door session is because to answer the question, it would reveal the sources and methods they have. General David Perkins, retired four-star Army general, Fox News contributor. Good to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us. All right, Dave. Have a great day. Here's a look at the week ahead. Monday. President Biden continues his first trip to Asia since taking office. Following his visit to South Korea, the president meets Monday with Japan's prime minister. Tuesday. More primaries take place. Voters head to the polls in Alabama, Arkansas, and Georgia. Wednesday. A congressional panel will hear from manufacturers of baby formula as the nation deals with a shortage. Friday. President Biden delivers the commencement address to midshipmen at the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. Also, a large asteroid is expected to pass safely by the Earth on Friday. It's the closest pass by this particular asteroid and for the next 200 years. Saturday. President Biden heads to Newark, Delaware, where he'll deliver the commencement address at the University of Delaware. Former President Trump is scheduled to be in Casper, Wyoming on Saturday. He'll rally for the GOP candidate running against incumbent Republican Congresswoman Liz Cheney. And that's a look at your week ahead. I'm Rich Dennison, Fox News. Did you hear the news? Now you can. With instant updates from Fox News for Amazon Alexa. Just say, Alexa, play news from Fox. In Fox News. It's the latest when you need it. On demand from Fox News and Amazon Alexa. Rate and review the Fox News Rundown on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's time for your Fox News commentary. Colin Reed. What's on your mind? 
The sight of protesters invading the private homes of Supreme Court justices should alarm Americans across the ideological spectrum. So should the Biden administration's collective shrug of the shoulders, despite the mobs violating a federal law criminalizing attempts to influence federal officials on the outcome of a court case. Sadly, the tactics are not all that surprising, given the left's pattern of weaponizing the federal government against their political opponents. After all, who can forget last year's mysterious leak to ProPublica disclosing the private financial information of some of the nation's top earners? U.S. Senators Elizabeth Warren and Sheldon Whitehouse seized on the opportunity by issuing a red-faced letter demanding an investigation into the tax avoidance schemes of the nation's wealthiest individuals. The duo was, was willing to look the other way on the incredible breach of decorum because it created a political opportunity to advance their divisive class warfare. The episode was not an isolated incident at the Internal Revenue Service either. During the Obama years, a previously obscure agent called Lois Lerner became a household name when she was forced to apologize for inappropriately singling out the applications of conservative groups for tax-exempt status. Another favored tactic of the left is using congressional committee's hearings to attack their villains du jour. Last fall, U.S. Representative Ro Khanna hauled the nation's top energy executives before the House Oversight Committee. In a nod to the eco-left that drives and funds today's Democratic Party, the purpose was a public flogging for the company's purported role spreading, quote, climate disinformation, end quote. Ironically, when Khanna repeated the charade six months later, his message had shifted. No longer was he browbeating the companies for destroying the environment. Now they were guilty of producing too little oil and gas. The only thing that changed in the intervening six months was the politics. As the party in charge, Democrats were taking it on the chin for the record gas prices that hit new levels by the day. They desperately needed a villain to shift the blame and pass the buck. No better setting than grandstanding before the cameras using official congressional hearings. But as President Biden's political freefall continues, so too do the odds of his party controlling the levers of government after November. The clock is ticking. Such is the mantra of today's political left. If your agenda gets blocked, weaponize the federal government in continued pursuit. There is no depth not worth stooping to. It's the reason some are encouraging the protests at the homes of Supreme Court justices. Chicago Mayor Lori Lightfoot went so far as to declare a, quote, call to arms, end quote. No one is safe from the mob. Even House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, hardly a milquetoast moderate, finds herself under siege from left-wing protesters accusing her of being, quote, complicit in the Supreme Court fight. Don't expect much in the form of leadership from the administration. With his presidency careening from one catastrophe to the next, President Biden lacks the political capital to stand up to his own base. He knows that getting crossways with the base could yield protests outside the White House and add to his growing list of political headaches. In a moment in time that cries out for strong leadership, we have none, all because the party in charge has been hijacked by its most extreme elements. Listening to the Fox News Rundown. Rundown. Stay up to date by subscribing to this podcast at foxnewspodcasts.com. And for up to the minute news, go to foxnews.com. From the Fox News Podcasts Network. I'm Ben Dominich, Fox News contributor and editor of the Transom.com daily newsletter. And I'm inviting you to join a conversation every week. It's the Ben Dominich Podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. 
This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. 